Hello, everybody, and welcome once again as we continue on in the study that we are doing of the New Testament. We've been working through the New Testament pretty much a chapter at a time. Tonight we'll tackle two chapters because they're, they're kind of short. And we've worked through the Gospels together. We've worked through the book of Acts together. And then we started taking the letters that Paul wrote in the order that we think we wrote him because we just finished talking about the missionary journeys. And we, we sort of followed Paul along in Acts, seeing um, all the places that he'd been. And now he's writing back to the churches these letters. Uh, we did First and Second Thessalonians already. already. Um, we, we think those were first. And now he's writing to the Corinthians. He planted the Corinthian church, uh, got that started. And then um, he's in Ephesus. Um, and all of a sudden he gets a visit from this group from there, from Chloe's household and some other leaders apparently who were dealing with some issues in the church. And remember, the Corinthian church, um, uh, Corinth was a mess. Uh, it was a, uh, a wicked place. Um, and it was filled with these temples um, where, where worship was based on prostitution and uh, the, the entire culture was just a, a wicked, wicked thing. And the church that was planted there um, was, uh, you know, having to deal with a lot of stuff and, and get that there was a lot of things going on even in the church. And so some things are brought to Paul. The first thing was all about division, and, and part of the problem they were having was they were very proud in the fact that God had gifted this church mightily, even in the midst of the mess that they're going through. And they somehow thought that the, the, the gifting that the Lord had given them made them so that they didn't have to deal with their mess. And that's not true. And, and the biggest, one of the biggest messes they had was division. But there's some specific problems that um, are going to happen and are going to happen in these two chapters. In these two chapters, Paul gets very intense um, in dealing with these things. And, and he talks about sin. He talks about church discipline. He talks about a few issues. Um, as you read it, you have to balance in with Paul where he was writing to, um, and, and not that we ever make light of sin, but that Paul will, um, even in his second letter, soften a little. And you have to take it in the context of the whole, because in uh, this is chapter 5. By the time we get to chapter 13, he's writing all about love. And he's the one who gives us the, the most incredible description of love there is. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't easily get angry. Keeps no record of wrongs. But he's about to jump into some stuff. And uh, just so you know, it's, you know, it's in here and it's part of the stuff that we deal with and we have to talk about it. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, and we're going to read all the way through the end of chapter 6. So it's 33 verses in our reading today. Beginning at verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that does not even occur among pagans. A man has his father's wife and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of the fellowship the man who did this? Even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you in spirit, and I've already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. When you were assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I'm with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan, so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are. 
For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy or swindlers or idolaters. In that case, you'd have to leave the world. That's really kind of funny. Um, and I know it seems really intense, but he's saying, look, I didn't mean to quit hanging out with people that were sinners because they, they need to know Jesus. I'm saying you've you got to deal with it in the church a little bit. Okay. Um, but now I'm writing that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler, with such men do not even eat. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside Expel the wicked man from among you. We'll talk about that more in a minute. First Corinthians 6, 1 and following. If any of you has a dispute with another, dare he take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the saints? Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent to judge trivial cases? Do you not know that we will judge angels? How much more the things of this life? Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters, appoint as judges, even men of little account in the church. I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers? But instead, one brother goes to law against another, and this in front of unbelievers. The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Sounds like a pretty tough church, doesn't it? <laughs> do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And this is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy them both. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a the prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. But he who unites himself with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, those aren't um, typically really happy, skippy chapters of verses that we go after we're done. Yeah, Paul! Woo! <laughs> but we need to talk about it. And what Paul is dealing with in particular, here's three problems, three more problems in the church. We've already had divisions and who they're following, all this stuff. And now there's specific problems. Remember, he's writing back to specific problems in the church in Corinth. That's what this letter is. And they have a problem where they have not handled a situation 
with an immoral brother well at all. They are not resolving personal um, disputes in a godly manner. And the importance of maintaining sexual purity and what that looks like, in particular in the culture that they're in and what's going on. And so let's, let's talk about the issues uh, a little bit here and what they look like. All right. 1 Corinthians 5, in the first five verses, apparently someone in the church is in an immoral relationship with his stepmother. Okay, so th- this is a big problem. All right. Um, this relationship is not only a violation of Old Testament law, but specific Roman law as well. For the Old Testament, it's Leviticus 18.8. Do not have sexual relations with your father's wife. That would dishonor your father. So here they have a man in the church who is openly and blatantly living uh, with his father's wife in a, in a sexual relationship. And the response of the church is actually arrogance. That's why Paul goes, he's going insane. He can't believe it. And, and he's saying, you, this has to be dealt with. The man needs to be disciplined for his own sake. Um, so that, because um, it, it, it just can't stand the way that it is. Now, you know something interesting, too. Um, he doesn't say anything about the woman involved. And the reason we believe is that the woman probably wasn't a believer. It's the guy. And so there's a, he says later on, and we'll talk about it, there's a different standard for people that are still out there. But, but this was somebody, and apparently somebody very respected in the church, somebody kind of high up in the church, and they're flaunting the fact that they have this freedom. They believe they have this freedom because of the giftedness of the Lord moving in their midst and that they don't have to deal with situations in their lives. And so that's a big problem, is that, that, that not only was it an issue, but it's the arrogance in response to the issue. Now, uh, the goal of discipline that Paul was stating, because it sounds very harsh, is, is that the, the brother in the relationship would repent. And that always needs to be the goal of any discipline. Um, it should produce, we talked about what repentance looks like last week, it should produce a change of mind, purpose, and life. The goal, the loving goal behind the the harshness of it was that that what this guy was doing was so far off base that he needed to come to grips with it, see it, repent, and change his mind, his purpose, and his life. That's what needed to happen. All right, that's that situation. We'll talk about it some more in a minute. In verses 6 through 11, um, he then says, look, um, you have to deal with this stuff because you know that a little yeast, a a little batch of uh, yeast will permeate a, a big batch of dough. A little yeast will work its way all the way through dough. And, uh, and so you, you have to deal with this stuff in, in, in the church. And I want to talk about that more in just a minute. When we get to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, we're going to talk about what I think that looks like uh, in a minute. 1 Corinthians 5, 12 and 13. Paul, and this is very interesting, says it, it wasn't his business to judge those outside the church. Which is why I said, I I don't think he said anything about the woman involved in this relationship. Um, And he says, it's not the business of the Corinthians either. And this to me is that that picture all the time. And I think the church gets guilty of it all the time. It's way easier to judge people out there than it is to deal with our own issues. Matthew, you know, Jesus said something like, how do you, um, how can you deal with a speck in your brother's eye when you've got that big log in your own eye? But we're really good at looking at people's specks. Somehow we manage to look around our logs to see specks. But Jesus said, how do you do that? I mean, it's like, don't you, you've got enough going on, right, with you. 
And, he, and so he's saying, you know, look, it's, it's not about out there. That's a whole different thing. And, he, and I think it's important that you said he wrote at some point. Apparently there was a letter written before this letter that didn't, wasn't intended to be canonized. It's not in the scripture. We don't know what the letter was. Where he started to deal with some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, the, the, the issue is uh, we, we, uh, we need to, if we stop hanging out with people that are a mess... That's not what he's talking about, because they're the ones who need to know Jesus. So he's saying, look, I didn't mean don't hang out with those people. I mean, but as you start to move together towards the Lord, um, and this is how we talk about it here. Let's give it simpler terms. That's what I like to do. We're living by trying to do the next right thing, right? That's what we're doing. And he's saying that ought to be happening in the context of the church. And and so we'll we'll talk more about that in just a second in church discipline. Um, uh, 1 Corinthians, then he moves into chapter 6, 1 through 8. And he starts talking about lawsuits. And this, see, a lot of these verses get taken funny out of context. You've got to hold them in context. The issue here is, inside the church, these guys are very arrogant, they're very proud, and they're not coming together well at all. And they're very greedy still, and they're using worldly wisdom, and it's all about them and their stuff. And where they have conflict with one another, if they can't resolve it, they're not even trying to resolve it, they're taking it to court. And Paul's saying that's such a bad witness that you're taking this stuff to unbelievers. Isn't there somebody that you can talk to about this stuff? And beyond that, what if you just are wronged for the kingdom? It's life. I mean, you know, God will, God will make it right. Now, sometimes people go, what does that mean we're never supposed to get involved legally and stuff? Um, I always tell people this, you know, we're supposed to try and work it out um, first and foremost. That's what we're supposed to do. It goes to different levels sometimes, and then, then we have to do that. And I, outside of the church, it's a whole different thing. And unfortunately, our system operates that way now. Um, at the same time, I tell people, but, but, you know, the culture has got this, it's called a litigious mentality. And, and a lot of people kind of spend their lives hoping that they're going to figure out some way to sue somebody, so they're set up. And that's not how we're supposed to live either, all right? Um, and so, you know, we, we, we need to figure this stuff out as we go. But in the, we're supposed to be able to work this stuff out together. You've got issues. People aren't doing what they're supposed to do out there. The, the court system is one of your resources. All right? So I, I think that's what it means. And uh, the problem in the church, what he's getting back to again, these guys, these people are stuck. The issue is always pride. And he's saying, don't let pride be the stumbling block. In, in the bigger things of life. Let's, let's get at what really matters. And, and that's about relationship and the things that are eternal. And they're stuck again. We talk about this stuff on very temporary stuff. One of the things, and we'll talk about it again this week in our weekend. Um, the biggest thing about being a disciple and what these guys have to grow into is moving from the temporary to the eternal. And the eternal perspective makes a lot of this temporary stuff not important anymore. But it's a process that we have to move through. So he dealt with that. All right. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. I want to talk about the whole thing with the guy in church and what it looks like. And uh, church discipline in general. Um, Verses 9 through 11. Pretty intense. He says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Those are pretty intense verses. Now, there's something that that I want you to note in the verses. And it's important. The verse speaks of idolaters, not idolatry. The verse speaks of adulterers, 
not adultery. And the wording is very important in the process. Um, for this reason, here's, here's the, the difference. See, all of us take a while to work through issues in our life. And when you read through the scripture in context and you read about the love of God and stuff, um, we know by trying to do the next right thing, we've talked about this, that we'll mess up sometimes. We sin because we're in process. We're dealing with it. And the, the problem becomes at the point when someone who says that they're a believer says, however, at this point, I believe the culture and not the Bible. And I'm no longer struggling with it. It's just a done issue, just the way it is. At that point, it's an issue. It's a big issue. See, I, I think as long as we're struggling, it's one thing. It's when we decide we're not going to struggle anymore that we move into a whole other area of what it looks like. When we decide, though I don't care what the Bible says, I'm going to do this because I want to, we've got a whole other issue that has to be dealt with. And like this guy, that's what he was doing. See, he knew better, and he just didn't care, and he was just like, I don't care. What are you going to do? That's when Paul said, just, just wait. I'll read you something in a minute that, that might apply to this guy. But, but I, I need you to see the difference. See, the, the, the admonition, I, I'm convinced, isn't that we, we jump on every little thing that we're doing or going through as long as we're, our goal is that we're moving towards the Lord. See, I'm convinced that people whose hearts are being drawn to the word, Lord in love uh, and wooed by the Spirit will be convicted by the Spirit over time and they'll stop doing what they shouldn't do. They'll know. And, and even while they continue to do it, they'll be in a, the context of a struggle saying, this is not the best thing. And I know it's not the best thing. But at the point when they say, well, I just don't care anymore, that's a whole other issue. Now, I also believe there's an issue on relative place in the church. And by that, um, there's, a, there's accountability factors at different stages in this thing. Um, for instance... Um, lots of people that come to this church can do lots of things that I can't do um, because I'm accountable at a whole different level than they are. I, I'm not saying that in a problem, I'm just saying there are things that, that people can do that I just absolutely can't do. I'm not perfect by a long shot, but there's just things that aren't okay um, um, because I'm a, a, a definite public representative of what goes on here. And so my accountability level is huge with you and with the community. You're not perfect, and I've never said I was, and you know that. You never claim that. However, it's different than people um, that are just starting to come in and just starting to get started and moving along in the process. You know, I'm, I'm 25 years in this walk, and my accountability level, accountability level is higher. Um, the, the, the people here who um, we give titles to, um, their accountability level is higher. The, the people that have their accountability level is higher. So if one of them were to go way out of bounds... And get into a struggle that they refuse to deal with, that's the point when we have to step in and do something. We have to say it's not okay. And it does happen from time to time. People that are very public, uh, at some point in time we have to say it's just not okay. And the hope is that they repent. And sometimes they do. And sometimes they leave. And, you know, there's all sorts of combinations of things. And, but it's, um, if, if the job there is that we have to go after every little thing that everybody does, that's all we do all the time. And it wouldn't take long till we didn't have anybody here. <laughs> because, and I don't have the energy. I just can't do it. I, and I don't want to know. <laughs> I just want to know that you're still struggling with your sin. You know what I mean? 
I mean, don't if, if at, the, at the points where you've said, well, I just don't care what the Bible says, that's a whole other issue. But we struggle. And the guy had stopped struggling. And that's why Paul said, you, listen, now it's a matter of his life. You need to deal with it sharply so that he gets it's not okay because he's putting himself in jeopardy in, 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 in life. And so it had to be dealt with. So um, our transformation, we talked about this, is not instantaneous. We need to give each other room to grow. And so we, we try and do that. We think that's part of what church life looks like. And when you hold this thing in context, you'll see pause a lot of grace and mercy for people. And they'll talk about it over and over again. So you can't just grab those verses and go, all right, we're going to get everybody that's got sin in their life. You, you start with me and you wouldn't have anybody here very quickly. <laughs> so, so those are the issues. I know it sounds big stuff, but that's what happens. But, you know, um, we talk about grace and mercy. I mean it. God wants us to be a patient. Because I feel like, and what I've witnessed in my life and what I've seen in my life, that people who are in, involved in things that they really shouldn't be involved in and they know it, if they're loved well, the Spirit of God will bring them to a place where they just got to stop. And then they stop. They stop. I just don't want to do it anymore. I, I just, they get to the point where they know it's grieving God to the point. They just can't do it. And then they change. They repent. But, you know, if you just stand here and say, these are the rules, and, and then what happens is they, they don't always repent. They just hide. Well, and when you're in a community of people that are hurting, if everybody's got to hide, nobody gets healthy. We have a very broken community. Just, just, and most people are, but we admit it. And if you have to come in and pretend that you've got stuff together you don't have together because you're afraid that you're going to get you know, jumped on, you'll never admit that you've got stuff and you won't deal with it. Do you get it? So there's, there's, there's levels to these things that we have to deal with. And that's the big one. Jesus said this, too. When it gets to that point, Matthew 18, 17, um, that, that we're to treat unrepentant believers... Uh, like pagans or tax collectors. Now, that I used to think was really rough, but let me read you the verse. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, and refuses to listen even to the church. Treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Um, I used to think, oh, we're, you know, that means you're really mean to people. How does Jesus treat pagans and tax collectors? Really well. He just doesn't expect the same things out of them. There's a change in the level of intimacy and relationship that happens. But it's not that you start being mean to people. Because that doesn't... I don't know if you've ever... Know, I've never seen anybody change because I was mean to them. Ever. So you... It changes, though, the level of intimacy. And what he's saying is, look, you can't... There's a special relationship that we have as believers. And when someone refuses to repent on an issue of significance, not that they stop struggling, it changes the level of intimacy. That's all that happens. You don't stop loving them. You don't stop caring for them. The, the intimacy level changes in the process. Um, listen to this, too. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 5 and 11. Uh, it's not in your notes. Because um, I think Paul, um, the Corinthians jump on this in repentance and, and start really um, <laughs> moving in in pretty significant ways. Because that's what they do. They go all in with everything. Um, and he says this, if anyone has caused grief... He has not so much grieved me as he grieved all of you to some extent, not to, not to put it too severely. The punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient for him. Now instead you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. I have a feeling that between letters, Paul's went, all right, that might have been a little rough. <laughs> Pull back just a hair now because you overdid it. 
And he's not going to make it. And that wasn't the issue. That's not what we were trying to do. We were trying to love him. So, see, there's balance in this whole process uh, that we have to take on. And, and uh, he moves in, into that. And so this is the process as I understand it. Uh, you know, God's always working with me on these things. I don't say I have it all figured out yet. I study these verses all the time and, um, and, and try and find context. Now, he goes on in verses 9 through 20. And he deals with a phrase... That the Corinthians, he actually taught the Corinthians, and he'll, he'll expand on later, that they're using as a cover for sin. And, um, and it's, it still happens. And the phrase is something he taught them. Everything is permissible for me. That's biblical. It's in the scripture. Everything is permissible for me. Well, if you take that wrongly, that sounds like I can do whatever I want to do. Because it's all permissible for me. However, um, it's not a slogan to cloak sin. Um, the statement is true, but it needs to be qualified by the principle of loving God and others. If that principle is not in place, then the other statement isn't true at all. It's qualified by, um, I'm going to love God and love others. In that context, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. So, if my action of liberty, because he's given people... Now, people have grace instead of the law. See, this is the issue. You'd be led by the Spirit now instead of the rules... And so there's lots of things that are permissible that weren't. But at the same time, if something that I do is detrimental to someone else, then it's not loving to them, then I can't do it. That, that's a contradiction to the everything is permissible. Um, and if, and he says, but I won't be mastered by anything. You know when he said that? If something that I'm doing because I think I have liberty causes me to be a slave to it, that's self-hatred. And again, that's not permissible. Because it's just as bad. And then he launches into this discussion about um, this food for the stomach and stomach for the food. That, that was another saying back then. Um, that the, the Corinthian mindset, and remember the licentiousness of their area, and, and it, was, it was just totally a sexually deviant place. Um, the Corinthian mindset was um, food is both necessary and pleasurable, and so is sex. And so we, if we can have food, then we ought to, there shouldn't be any limitations on it. And there is. And he goes into saying, look, your body belongs to the Lord. And you were bought with a price. And that's why we're supposed to live this thing out properly. And if you remember when that happened, we talked about it. When Jesus proposed at communion, he paid the bride price. That's what Paul's talking about. You've been bought with a bride price. You're his bride. And you're to, you're to live a, you know, in purity before him. There are certain ways that you're supposed to live. And that's what he says to the Corinthians. Don't forget that. There are ways that you're called to live in this process. And we all are, and we're all moving towards that and dealing with our own issues along the way. Okay. Um, I'd like to tell you that it gets easier from here, but seven's still a little rough, too. And uh, <laughs> eight's kind of meh. Then nine's not so bad. And, ten, and then it starts getting really good around 12 and 13 again. <laughs> so don't, don't quit coming. It's going to be fine. All right? Okay, so that's enough for today. Uh, if you're watching on TV or by video, thank you for watching. I hope you stayed with us through all of that. And uh, we're going to close here with prayer. If you need anything, you can call us, write us, go to our website. We'll do whatever we can for you. And uh, that will be enough for today. You can.